Troops, it's Jerry Lou the Looper, and uh, I'm here with the Loudest Looper podcast. And how in the hell is everybody? Just checking in on you. Got another great installment here with our boy from Whistling Straits, Mark the Caddy. Real quick, before we get into some fun uh, Twitter uh, back and forth with Mark here, uh, I got a couple, actually two pieces of housekeeping. I don't know when you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before Christmas time because your boy Jerry Lou has become a promo code. That's right for Clean Caddy. That starts with K and a K, K-L-E-E-N-K-A-D-D-I-E. If you enter in Jerry Lou as the coupon code, promo code, whatever you call it, you get an additional 15% off your purchase through this holiday. I, the show hasn't gone live yet, Mark. I, I'm just hoping hoping two or three years here, this or whatever. And uh, also, goresgolf.com. You still get 10% off the head covers. We put in Bomb Squad Pod, all one word. There's the housekeeping. Jerry Lou for Clean Caddy, Bomb Squad Pod for Gorse Golf. I'm, I'm sponsored now, Mark. I, I can't believe it. Little little old me. How you doing? <laughs> oh, living the dream. Uh, just tolerating uh, week by week at the cheese factory, <laughs> trying to get through that until um, it's time to get back on the golf course. I will appreciate caddying even more than I already do after the time at the cheese factory. Had to go to chiropractor twice this last week because, the, believe it or not, uh, standing in place on the line is destroying my uh, back and hips. And it's harder on my body than a double loop where I walk 18 miles in a day. It's crazy. I, who would have thunk it? But uh, so uh, spending the money I make at a chiropractor. It's the circle <laughs> of life. I, uh, I am one of those few people who hasn't gone to a chiropractor yet, but I am one of those members of certain clubs where either you have heartburn or you don't. And if you don't, you know, keep that streak alive. And if you do, you know what it's like. And I have friends who, who have been to chiropractors. I have never been. Turns out my back problems are actually like, I got like a sciatic, which is makes you feel like a back problem, but it's not a back problem. So I haven't had to go get adjusted, but I know people who get adjusted all the time and it's worth it, but it's also it becomes a necessity. Like, I hate to say, like, it, it becomes a perpetual thing, but, but I mean, relief is relief. So that's right. <clears throat> I'm not going to, so, uh, looking forward. To, I know people won't be listening to it today, but uh, looking forward to the lions versus Packers in just a little time. So I'm a kind of a lone voice out in the wilderness here uh, <laughs> rooting for the lions. And I got, I actually made a little wager with a caddy yesterday Twenty dollars, um, and I'm not a big gambler, by the way. All of a sudden, it's these caddies who have gotten me into this degenerate habit of mine of betting on my teams in emotional ways. So this one, um, twenty dollars that Aaron Rodgers will get to sit out in the fourth quarter because the Packers are so far ahead. So all Whoa, I that's yeah, bold. <laughs> all I all I need is the Lions to be close enough that Aaron Rodgers has to play the whole game. And then that's I, wow, that's pretty good. I I kind of like that. There's a lot of you got to watch the whole game. There's a lot at stake for that. I think uh, yeah. I might have to tune in and see what's happening there. Just, yeah. uh, just for sake of. <laughs> now I actually caddied with a uh, one of my mates recently, and he um he's from the Upper Peninsula, and I actually kind of and he doesn't talk much. You know, I'm not going to say we don't get along. He just you know different personalities. You know, you stay in your old holding patterns. But he's a nice guy. I'm a nice guy, and I finally asked him. I was just like, hey, dude. What would you say the percentage split is of youpers? That's Upper Peninsula, folks. Um, what would you say the percentage youper split is of how many percentage of them are Packer fans versus Lion fans? I want your answer, Mark. Oh, I think they're almost all Packer fans. Oh, um, he said he said seventy percent, and that was my yeah, guess. Probably, yeah, you know, like obviously the, the further west you go, uh, it's Packersville. But yeah, yeah, I, I'd say seventy eighty percent is probably uh, accurate. <laughs> An interesting thing about that is the Lions back in the day in our, uh, you know, every three year coaching hire, uh, hired Steve Mariucci. And oh, everyone, he was the last good coach there. Yeah. With Garcia. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, so he's best friends with Tom Izzo, the coach of Michigan State and uh, basketball. And then Steve Mariucci grew up in Michigan with Tom Izzo. But uh, so everyone's all excited. Oh, he's coming home. 
and he had to tell he was a packer fan because he, he he lived in like iron mountain which is basically wisconsin it's oh, yeah. uh right it's real close to the wisconsin border here but much closer to green bay an hour or two and people don't realize that part of uh like northern michigan university is a 12-hour drive from the detroit area where i'm from so wow. it's Oh yeah. It's a much closer drive to just go to like a Wisconsin or wherever. So uh, the West part of the UP is out there for, for Detroiters. So, and then well, UP- I, 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 anything West of Detroit is I, I was, uh, I had a funnier line earlier. I was going to say where you're like, well, the more you head West, the more I'm like, the more you head West, the more you're heading away from Detroit. Like it's just not yeah. Detroit more. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's hard for two because the lions have been so perpetually bad that uh you know, unless it's in your heart from the time you grow, nobody like adopts the Lions as their favorite team. It's like you grow up with it and it's part of you, but uh, nobody just wakes up one day and is like, I'm going to root for the Lions or the Bengals. You know, it's, uh, we are just, uh, we're, we're sad franchises. So well, anyway, hopefully today Aaron Rodgers has to play the whole game and I will win $20 from uh, this caddy who uh, hopefully will pay up on the bet. I'm writing that down so I can pay attention later today. So, uh, yeah, and yes, this is a, a caddy, a caddy podcast of us talking about caddy stuff. And yeah, sometimes caddies talk football. We could do a football podcast yeah. we'll <laughs> down the road. But I just got one more football question for you before we dig into. We got a couple Twitter questions that I've kept on the burner, and I came up with a pretty good question for Mark and myself earlier this week. But we had to uh, can a recording. But uh, who would you say is um, Detroit's perennial rival? Is it like the like like I hate to say this uh, in so many words because I thought it was corny. I'm not like a woke person or whatever. I'm woke, but I still keep my eyes closed. But um, ultimately, like when Oregon and Oregon State play, they called it the Civil War. And I always thought that's the tackiest thing considering uh, like racial bigotry has never even existed on the West Coast in the first place. So that it's a stupid little moniker that gets a slide. But like it was Oregon, Oregon State. I grew up in Coquille. Our rival was Myrtle Point, even though they were in a different district or or, or uh, uh, whatever. They were in a different uh, category than we were. But um, uh, we uh, w- would you say it's the Bears? Would you say it's the Packers? Or is it per se maybe whoever's doing better at the time? Yeah, you know, that's, it's funny. The way I'd answer that is to say when I moved here to Wisconsin, um, the Lions consider those NFC Central teams their rivals, you know, mm-hmm. Bears, Packers, Vikings. If I had to, if I had to say, I would say probably they consider the Packers the most, but that's only because, for the last uh, 15, 20 years, the Packers have generally had more success, you know, so. We get five years almost, dog, like when Brett Favre in the mid-90s came in. Because yeah. when I think of the last perennial, like, good Bears teams, I got to go back to around when I was born in the mid-80s, honestly. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, but when I got here, I realized that the Packers fans really do not consider the Lions a rival. They, it, here it's split. It is interesting here. You do see a split between uh, who who hates the Bears and who hates the Vikings. And they, like, hate the Vikings. Um, they, they don't hate the Lions. Like, they give me hugs and pity me and stuff. So uh, they don't. So I would say if the Lions had a, a rival, if, if the uh, divisions were more aligned and stuff, and if you could create a rivalry, but the teams just haven't been good enough for that to happen, what Buffalo. would make sense or what would be actually the Browns? That's who I think, like – you could see a rivalry brew up with, but uh, basically nobody cares about us. We're like the franchise that nobody buys our clothes. We're worth the least amount of money in the NFL. It's we're, we're dead to everybody. So you're, you're the Baltimore uh, Orioles. I'm sorry. It's just that I, I miss saw many other games. It's the same thing. They're like, yeah, we got a rivalry as big as the Yankees. We got a rivalry with the Red Sox. Yeah. And meanwhile, those two teams are playing each other going, wait, who's at the door? Was that, yeah. did you hear that noise? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so on to some quick, Caddy questions because this is the loudest looper podcast. Um, I had a question that I texted Mark earlier this week, and it was mostly because it was something I was just fretting and ruminating about on the course. And I essentially was thinking, well, what if I have a flaw as a caddy? What is it? And I uh, gave uh, Mark plenty of time to think about it. Uh, and I would to answer in short for me. I, and we've kind of joked around about it a little bit before where I, I always say like, how come I get the golfers who don't admit that they mess up on their putts? Like all these other caddies get golfers where they admit they pulled their putt or pushed their putt or whatever. But then there's me where I just get the golfer that's silent. And then I have to sit there and think to myself, did he, well, what's he thinking? 
I'm getting better at not caring. Like the more it happens, the more I just go about my business or whatever. But I mean that, I hate to say it, two or three bad reads in a row, quote unquote, or the feeling of bad reads in a row does diminish my confidence, despite the fact that I know the green's really good. And that's probably my, my only flaw I can really think of. Uh, what do you got, Mark? Yeah, very similar. You know, over time, you, you, you learn the greens, you know them, but um, I don't want to say reading greens as a weakness. I would say that uh, I'd, I'd add a little nuance to that. I don't, I'm not assertive enough with good, intense golfers when I'm reading the greens, you know, I'm, I'm passive with the strong personalities out there. So I, I don't exhibit the confidence that maybe would uh, be necessary with those real type A uh, intense players. Um, actually, when it uh, when I have a player who's a high handicapper, you're just more relaxed, you know, and your reads are on. Obviously, they struggle, you know, hitting the lines and stuff more. I, though, had a one thing that did give me confidence th- this year, 4th of July weekend, which is kind of a weird weekend by us. You have less people there on like a package. You, um, the course is slower, actually. Uh I had some people who were just showing up for the date, which is kind of rare at Whistling Straits. Um, but they were junior players uh, who were going to go um, play at a junior tournament that was in the Milwaukee area later that week. And so I actually ended up with three days in a row of young golfers who were studs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first day was a young guy uh, playing with his dad, and his dad was like an assistant golf pro. They were from down in Texas. Then the next day was three young studs and part of it was stressful because their dads were walking along and living vicariously through them. But one of the kids is playing at Marquette. Uh, One of the guys was not sure where he was going to go. And another guy, I think signed with Pepperdine, which is a golf power. So these were good golfers. Um, One was a freshman in college this year. The next two uh, will be in college next year anyway. And then the next day I had a real good golfer. Well, anyway, especially that first day, though, with the son and his dad, they could they were going to hit the lines like you knew you better be on because like if you told them hit it a ball outside the cup, they were a lot of times going to hit it on that line. The reason I bring it up is we were draining pots and it made me feel way more confident about my reads. And it was like really interesting, like to see uh, that difference of having a player who really could putt well. But anyways, I would say a weakness is when I have a, um, a guy who's a real type A strong personality, CEO of a company, successful in everything, intense um, kind of guy. I'm not very assertive or confident as I should be uh, when we're on the greens, especially. I find everything else about caddying once you really learn the course, which you do when you caddy long enough at the same course, you, you get really good at it. Like, you know, what, uh, what the lines to hit, you know, where, where a guy should aim the ball, you know, uh, distances pretty well, um, gauging, like if a guy should club up a certain amount, I feel really strongly about that. I, I mean, I feel confident. I feel good. Um, but probably the most stressful part of it is putting. And, and maybe that's also because I think that's for some players, the, where you're making your money, you know, like some guys, that's what they value the most. I mean, they, they just value that. Like I had one guy this year, like he, he wouldn't, he would not put the ball even on a two foot putt without me pulling him a line. And let's say he got to his ball 30 seconds to a minute before I did, because I was helping the other guy. And so he, if I walked up to him and said, what do you see? He would not tell me until I told him my read. And it was like, he was testing me, you know, to see if I knew what I was doing. That kind of stresses me out when a guy's got kind of that personality and stuff. So I got to admit, like amongst the caddies that I work with or fly with, I mean, and I'll admit, I like, like I've said before, I like to think I have carte blanche uh, at Bandon Dunes because I'm a local and I started there, but then there was a big 15 year hiatus in the middle of my tenure there. But at the same time, I see a lot of like these 
Like sometimes I'll just do it. I'll, I'll ask a golfer, what do you see here? If I'm unsure or if I'm bored or if I'm just like, yeah. I, I'm just like spacing off and I didn't get the read or whatever, because I'm pretty confident it's right edge, but I just be like, eh, eh spin the chambers. What do you think here? What do you think you see here? I don't see any other caddies, certainly caddies who are more veteran or, or better than me doing that. I, I we, we, Bannon Dunes caddy shack is big enough that we have clicks. Like there, I mean, there aren't too many, but there are clicks. I'm sure you have some in your, uh, your department as well, but, but I, I really, in the end, I, I like to take a real tribal mentality to my coworkers and I really side with the whole seniority and like, Hey, whatever the gruff guys who've been working here the longest, who have like, you know, been getting jobs every day while some people don't, whatever they say goes. I mean, even if they say like, I know you're not supposed to smoke out there, but I do. It's like, okay, so you could probably smoke out there or whatever. No big deal. I mean, it's like my, my, my whole thing. And, and you said it best when it came to like the type A personality. I mean, that's a lot of people ask me, they're just kind of like, oh, oh, we're nervous. We don't know what kind of caddy we're going to get. And I'm like, don't take that nerves and turn that into fun. Because half the time you're going to get an ace of a caddy, doesn't matter who they are. And half the time you're going to get a dud of a caddy. But guess what? They're still going to schlep your shit, which is what you kind of were paying for in the first place. And that's part of your experience. But the only thing I got, and this is more an, 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 an attributing factor to my a personality flaw in me that attributes to everything in life, not just caddying, but I don't like it when anyone when the golfer is disagreeable on the yardage or the read it's yeah. if i say it's right edge uh it's uh, uphill firm give it 10 5 to 10 extra percent I, I hate to say it I, I i look at it like look i'm not saying i'm in charge but you ask me for advice i give the yeah. advice either i all i want to hear is you say okay or you say i'm gonna do this and you do that i don't want the more we start to question and back and forth more i'm like now we're killing time now it's a pace of play thing now i'm getting flustered because it's like, I'm not equipped to argue here. I'm equipped to give the advice and I'm yeah. pretty good at it. I'm not good at many things, but I'm pretty good at three or four. And that's why it bleeds over into life. And I yell at people all the time about that in the same regard. But when it comes to my job, especially that's where it's like, my job is to give advice when asked. I joke and like to say, I don't like to repeat myself, but I do that in a manner of, we don't need to hear me repeat myself unless I was talking too quietly. Let, let's, let's expedite this. You want the information? You want to know how to get in the hole? Here it is. Let's go. I mean, and if, yeah. and if you think it's something else, cool. That's where I have a flaw as a caddy that I turn into a positive where I ultimately say, if a golf, if I tell a golfer, I'm like, yeah, we should probably chip it high with the, with the sandwich or whatever. And he's like, nah, give me the hybrid. I'll be like, okay, here's your hybrid. Like I, I know some caddies will say your funeral. I'll know some caddies will try to talk them out of it. Whatever the golfer says in the end, I will give it to them because I more so look at it like I want to get out of there. <laughs> like really, like it's just like, and not that they want to get out of there, but it's like, well, they want to do what they want to do and hit a good shot, which is their definition of getting out of there. So whatever. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think is a challenge to the kind of caddying that we do with our players is versus like what people think of when they see a caddy on TV with a professional player, they have a relationship where they've been together presumably for multiple rounds this that whatever so that caddy knows okay this guy lags it he or he's a you know he hits it hard whatever we don't we don't know that kind of stuff about our players so you're giving them information but ultimately you can't like especially putting you know you you can't um especially at the beginning of the round you're not going to know if a guy you know can hit a line or if he hits it, you know, if he likes to hit it real hard or if he's a, if he's a person who dies it at the cup or whatever. So there's a real challenge there. I, um, yeah, I would say I just, because I'm newer to this, I've only done it for two seasons. Uh, I could grow in my assertiveness and confidence. Um, you miss some, you're going to miss some reads, you know, it's, it's, there, there's that you can't beat yourself up. But when, when it happens, uh, occasionally I'll get a re I'll lose my confidence and I'll get a little gun shy with the uh, strong personalities out there because um, you want to do well for them. I, I find that it doesn't happen as much on, uh, you know, in other parts of their game. But um, and I, I will say I have an easier time adjusting with players. Let's say I, I have a player and I'm noticing he's long all the time like for, like say i can say hit it it's it's 180 and he hits it you know over the green i'm good at changing the yardages without him knowing it to kind of adjust to their you know uh game because you want to you know they hit it too far or the or whatever 
or you tell them further because they're hitting it too short. So you give them a bigger club. I feel confident in that area. Um, yeah, I think I think putting is the, if it was easy, and it was just a matter of a caddy always saying, you know, hit, the pros would never miss. And they miss all the time. <laughs> so, and, and, and so, execution, execution is never automatic. I mean, yeah. And, and I think though, I think the reason why it's the more stressful, more difficult part or the bigger weakness is because for me, my experience is it's the element of the game that the players come with the highest expectations mm-hmm. and that's fine. But to me, the greatest value that we provide is navigating a foreign course to them. That's really difficult and stuff, but that seems to be undervalued and putting seems to be overvalued. And whenever I bring that up, let's say you say something about it on Twitter, you get, you always get anecdotal. Somebody likes it. Well, I had this caddy once at Pebble and he, yeah, those are anecdotes that happen every now and then for the occasional player, but we caddy hundreds of players a season and we've seen it all. And it, it, it can, it's a slog more often than it's a beautiful thing. So, uh, yeah, so that's probably my biggest weakness. I think this is a great segue because I got a great button to put on this and you damn near just answered one of our Twitter questions inadvertently almost there when you were talking about how you can adjust the golfer's yardage without them knowing it. But my, my final thing to say on the whole, like uh, uh, weakness or flaws thing is um, like, I, I like to joke myself that, or none of us caddies, we never miss a read. No, we don't. And even if we, and if we do, we'll, we'll argue with the golfer. Like I, I gotta admit a lot of my other caddy friends seem to be way more confrontational, whether it's like uh, humorous or otherwise with their golfers. And they seem to get away with it. I don't have the stones of the temerity to try either, but anyways, I'll, I broke down here. I said, I don't miss a read if I give it to you, but there will be at least maybe one or two times in 18. I'm hoping two maximum where I'll sit there and be like, I I'm not hundred percent sure what this does. And usually on those putts, Mark, I gotta admit, they're no more than a cup out. Like, and I'm debating if it's a cup out or on the edge. Like yeah. I'm, and I'm talking like, if I can't figure out a read, it's not because I'm sitting here going like, Oh, is it six feet out or 12 feet out? It's like, yeah. no, is it two inches outside the hole or is it straight? I can't. And that's, and that margin error is just that big. Yeah, no. Right. And, and, and yeah, those are definitely the harder ones, you know, like, and so I, I, I will say that my, so my bias is to um, with, with a lot of, it's like, Toward the middle of the round, it's more like hit it hard and straight. Just you know, gun it in there because you're you're we're, we're like we're you're stressing too much about this. Like let's just take the break out of it and and, and hit it firm because like a lot of times like they the issue like when you give a read, you're like it's also um, assuming they're going to hit it at a certain pace uh, and and you know, as well as I do that, that does, that's not how it always works, you know, and, or that they're not going to push it or they're not going to pull it or whatever. And uh, so a lot of times it's like, guy, don't overthink it. Get It's two feet away, go and hit it straight into the back of the cup. And uh, um, so, but yeah, uh, most reads that are real difficult or stressful are the ones where like, is that an edge or is that going to be just a little bit more? I mean, if you you really shouldn't caddy if you can't tell if a ball's going to break, you know, like around ten feet. And even if it does, do that. Like guys are so far away or whatever that it, you can't expect to make all those, you know. And I don't oh, think yeah. players, you know, I think players start expecting to make those eight foot or six footers, whatever. And um, uh, and those can be stressful, yeah. Because also you're working for tips. And so, you know, like you miss too many of these, uh, it might, you know, have, um, you might have some issues at the end of the round and, you know, you want to, you want to maximize your earnings. So uh, that, that adds some stress to it as well. No, that's, that's absolutely very accurate and articulate. And that take was brought to you by MLB The Slow. MLB's first game installed found only on the Intellivision, not the ColecoVision. So the question that we had was from at 11 Scooby 71. He's changed his first name to something else. So I, I, you know, where you can say like, you know, your name's Mark the Caddy, which we can find Mark the Caddy on Twitter at Caddy Tales. His initial, his genesis of the whole thing was he wants to write a book, which we'll finish up the episode talking a little bit about that, how more ideas are 
because I get a lot of questions here that part of me is like, I don't want to ask these questions to you on the podcast. I'd rather pitch them to you off the air to be like, dog, I think this might be like a formatting for a chapter maybe or something like that. But the question Scooby here had was how many times have you told your player it's 150 yards when it's really 130 yards just so they're hitting a longer club because they've been short all day? Yeah, I don't know how many times, but it happens way more often than uh, than people would know or think. See, how do you how do you get away with that? I, I I can't tell if other caddies do that to their golfers or they just. I'll develop a rapport with my golfer and be like, okay, it's one fifty, but we've been hitting it like shit today, so we should probably take like you know your six iron instead of the seven, which is your sevens, yeah. your one seventy club. So let's do one seventy. I just know that I carry with me. I wear a watch uh, uh, with yardages on it. Yeah. I have my uh, my Leopold gun on me. And we have yardage heads on the sprinkler heads. And I even have caddy books, which I don't, yardage books, which I don't bring with me, but I have. I have ways to get yardages. Golfers still carry their yardage guns with them. And a lot of times, not a lot of times, but more often than I fucking care to see, they'll whip out and shoot the yardage themselves. And I hate to say it, I kind of take a little insult to that. But but that's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. That is not a big deal. There's nothing to get offended over. It's not a hill to die on. But I just look at it like, I don't think I can pull that shit off, Scooby. Because if I say it's 150, but it's really 130, I know a lot of golfers are looking at it and go like, that's not 150. And then they'll grab the gun and shoot themselves. And then I look like a retard. Yeah. So I should actually kind of clarify. It's more like you uh, oversell the wind or whatever. So you're kind of saying, (laughs) oh, it's it's actual 130, but play at 150 or whatever. Yeah. So it's more like really chilly air. The air has been really chilly today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they can see now uh, to, you know, like we always have the only time we have like uh debates about yardage is our sprinkler heads now on one of the courses our irish course the sprinkler heads show the yardage to the middle of the green gaelic oh yeah and then uh, yeah and then uh on the straights course it's the yardage to the front of the green so then we'll say like then there will be a day like the flags like you know 35 yards back on the green and uh, you tell a guy, and he thinks you're a complete moron because he's looking at the sprinkler head, and you just told him 130, and he's like, it says 100 right here. And I'm like, well, you know, um, so that's sort of the, they'll question you, but um, that's easily clarified. No, that like, it sounds uh, like a prank. That just sounds like a wild prank that you're pulling yeah. on me and everyone listening who hasn't been there. It's like, oh no, this course is front of the green, and this course is the center. <laughs> yeah. I, and you mentioned one time, it's only happened a handful of times over two years, those players who like, bring out their guns and uh, shoot it after you tell them the yardage, you know, and you're just like, you just tolerate those rounds and, uh, and stuff because it's like, I'm telling you, you know, but you know, so yeah, on occasion to answer Scooby's uh, question, you'll tell a guy like, yeah, it's 130, but it's playing like 155 when uh, you don't really think it's that, but but because they're short. So but then they go ask their friend, hey, what are you playing? I'm playing 135. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and also that's again where it's like, uh, I like golfers who are one joyous, like, hey, dude, you can afford to spend thousands of dollars on a golf trip to come to this beautiful place. So that's one thing I like is a guy who's joyous, regardless if they're having a good round or a bad round. And then two, I, I like golfers who are humble. And the idea that these golfers, any golfer other than guys we see on TV, are so locked in that they know exactly that, that they're going to hit their club flush and that yardage every time is just silly to me. You know, like, um, so, you know, like these guys who think they're so dialed in, it, those can be hard to caddy for, you know, and I love the players too who at the beginning of the round, they're like, dude. Just give me an estimate. I have no idea how far this ball is going to go. You know? And uh, so those guys can be really fun to caddy for. But, um, you know, it, I would say it doesn't happen often that I have guys who are so far off that you, you know, make stuff up. But, you you know, you can tell when a guy is a little off. So you just add a little bit for him so that he grabs the extra club. Um, that does happen. Yeah. Well, thank you, Scooby, at 11 Scooby 71. I was... That was one of the later questions I had on the list here, but I wanted to get to that uh, in all the conversations we had, because that's, to me, that's just a great, that's a great question that like, you know, that the interpretation of what I want this show to be is what the common person, I, and I'm not saying it's like that dust up we had on Twitter because uh, us caddies are entitled and not everyone can afford a caddy. It's if you, if a lot of people are going to die, never flying first class. A lot of people are going to die, never flying in a GD airplane. It's just the way like how certain circles of your life work. 
And I don't say that's a person's fault. I'd say if you want to blame anything within arm's reach, it's your parents. But I mean, that's a year long, years long institute of something else. I mean, ultimately, <clears throat> it's uh, the, the people people would want to hear about maybe our suicide pools at the Caddyshack from like the, the NFL picks or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you can have those anywhere. It's these little questions and these little tidbits that I hope to have crop up where it's just kind of like, well, wait, what does this caddy say? What does this caddy say? Cause in the end, we're all like a bunch of contracted explorers all trying to get to the same. We know where the destination is. We're all trying to get there and it's all going to be different shapes, sizes and uh, amounts of time. I mean, it's just, uh, it is what it is. And and going back to like what you said, I mean, I just wrote down here, like golf is a game of expectations. I mean, I hate to say it like in, and I think we probably tend to get more uptight or type A personalities at our, at my golf resort a little bit, but in the end, it's like, they also know, come here knowing that like, there's a facade on the caddies that like, we're pretty like thick skinned and scratch golfers and uh, go fuck yourselves. I mean, that's kind of like, <laughs> like, like our caddies are treated like New York cab drivers. And I kind of like that. I just, I just know I don't embody that or live up to that to a certain degree. I, I like to, I like to go out there and like, just like drop movie quotes with people all day. That's what I like to do just to be like, how obscure can you get? I mean, next thing you know, we're quoting Indiana Jones, of course, like, what the hell are we Dr. Jones? What? I mean, just stuff like that. So one more question here we got. This one's from a longtime follower on Twitter, uh, Tim Barker. You can find him at Tim um, Ulrich B. I'm just going to spell it. It's at T-I-M-A-L-R-I-C-B. And uh, his tweet, this was on this list that I sent you, Mark, that I'm just going to give you his word-for-word tweet, and then we'll break it down how we see fit, and maybe we can have two different answers or two different perspectives. But Tim, uh, uh, Tim wrote, those players that tip big by surprise – and those on the light end when playing high-end gear. I think the question I put up to everyone, this was, God, probably months ago, was um, give me some uh, uh, questions you would ask a caddy or whatever, or like things you want to know about a caddy. So he said, those players that tip big by surprise and those on the light end when playing high-end gear. I guess this kind of goes back to the tipping thing a little bit or maybe merging back into expectations. We know last time we talked, we talked about uh, uh, stereotypes and regions more so, but I mean, let's go back to the stereotypes one. Let me ask you, have you ever noticed... <clears throat> And you know what, we'll, uh, we'll leave, unless we didn't cover it so much in the region one, we'll leave age out of this one, because that could be a whole other subject for another time. And honestly, I don't want to touch that one just because I, it's, it's, to me, it's as old fashioned as the argument itself and the people that we're talking about. So let's just let them go about their lives and pay what they want to pay. But um, what's your take on seeing people who have like a, like a heavy bag or a light bag or like PXG equipment or something? Have you been able to like see any stereotype amongst the gear in the golfer and your tip? There are certain trends that, you know, everything's an overgeneralization. You, you, at the end of the day, you never really know. And, uh, but Good answer really, it's short, but yeah. that's the best answer. Moving, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But I would, I would say this. Um, yeah, guys having PXGs yeah, has not necessarily uh, meant anything. Um, I would say my regulars, my regular requests are guys who carry PXGs. It turns out my regular requests pay the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, uh, I would say that a tell, uh, here's a telling stereotype for me in my experience. If at the bag drop, when you meet a player, you happen to say, ask him, and you don't want to do this because you don't want to look like a pansy, but like if their bag is a tank and so heavy and you ask him if there's any way they can lighten it, you know, and they tell you no, my experience is generally that's going to be a bad tip because they're just not the most considerate person. And uh, the guys who are very concerned about how heavy the bag is, that tells me they've had caddies before. And usually the tip is going to be pretty good. Those right. are overgeneralizations, but you know, I have guys at the bag drop, no, I've taken everything out that I can. And you're like, yeah, this might not be a great round. And then, <laughs> The guy, and then there's guys who are so concerned at the bag drop that their bag is light enough for you. Usually it's pretty good. You know, it, it doesn't always go that way, but, but those are some stereotypes. Um, and then another one is simply guys who work for a living. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, what I mean by that is like people in the service industry, like we had, uh, we had some guys toward the end of the season who uh, one was like, they, they worked at a golf course actually which doesn't usually mean a good tip, believe it or not. Um, but they, one was a chef, one was this, and one was a server, whatever. That tip was really good. Like as a percentage of their income, they tipped really high. 
Then on the flip side, usually, not always, um, like people in financial services who probably make great money. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't had great success with them. That's separate from like New York stock market guy or hedge fund operator. That's not who I'm, I'm talking about. Your Edward Jones kind of thing. I was just about to say Edward Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done. I mean, the, sometimes it's like you know, and they'll tell you. Now, another stereotype is if a guy. This is the one thing I'll say about age. If it's a younger person, generally, but it doesn't have to be. But whether they're young or old, if they tell you anything during the beginning of the round that is kind of bragging about what they make or stuff like that, your tip is going to suck. You get if people it, who've actually done that before? I've never had anyone talk very about rarely, Very rarely. I've only had only three times. So our suggested base tip is $50. We've talked about before. Usually we get more. But our suggested base tip is $50, and the people are invited to adjust it based on service. Mm. I've gotten less than $50 three times in two years. So not bad. A lot. Of, some guys have gotten stiffed, you know, number two. Every single time it's happened, it's been with people who've bragged about their like where they travel, how much they make, stuff like that. And uh, it's so banana. We must have like different clientele because I know we both work for very, very premium locations and products or whatever. But I, I, I don't know uh, the geography of the towns around uh, where Whistling Straits is. I don't know off the top of head the rates or whatever. But I do. I, I will have to admit that like all the golfers that I've ever heard from, like they won't tell you what they do for a living unless you ask them. And usually if I don't forget to ask them by the first fairway, I'm not going to ask them the whole trip just because I'm like, Oh, whoops. Yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, yeah. And we have, we have plenty of guys like that. This happens very rarely. I mean, very rarely, but if a guy is like, you know, name dropping or, um, huh. okay. you know, like, like, yeah, like this year we had some guys who came and uh, one of them, so a college basketball coach came up. He's like, oh yeah, so he's a good friend of mine. Those people tend to, they're just, they're not, they're not great. Blow. They're usually compensating for a lack of something, you know? And uh, um, so, that, you know, that's one stereotype. It doesn't happen often, but every time that I've gotten like stiffed, so to speak, has been from somebody who behaves like that. Um and, and so, you know, there's that stereotype, but I would say like, um, yeah, you really have to go back to the, uh, understanding that most times it's going to fall within a certain range, no matter what. And then, but at the end of the day, you really don't know. You really don't know. That's, that's exactly what I wrote down here was like, my only thing that I've noticed with me is with my job, 99.99% of the time before I even meet my golfer he already has it in his head what they're going to, he or she's yeah. going to pay pretty much. I mean, I, I remember one of my constant regulars, Thomas from Arizona, he, uh, from Scottsdale, he, um, uh, he doesn't listen to the show. So whatever, but, uh, but nobody listens to the show right now. Cause it's not uh, live yet. He told me one year that like, uh, he said like, Hey, listen, if, uh, if I get certain skins or like, you know, this from birdies or we win matches, I'll split the winnings with you. And then this year they were doing it electronically and he was all fretting about like how, Hey, I, I won't be able to give you the money until I get home or whatever. And I said, dog, don't even worry about it because honestly you're one of two people I hear from every year that even mention if they win money, I'm getting a cut of it. I don't assume, I don't care. We get paid insane amounts of money in the first place. I mean, we really do. So, I mean, I just, I, I like to try and take it in stride and be like, okay, hopefully this round just doesn't feel long or last long or whatever. I mean, cause I mean, I could fake it or I could just, I even, I'm pretty gregarious and garrulous. I can, I can clam up and I can be quiet if I want to I'd be like, Oh, this is my version of being happy. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually it's funny you mentioned that because I had some guys this year who like by the end of the round, and sometimes it's hard to pay attention or care or even keep track of press and this and that and whatever, as far as their games they got going on. But by the end of the round, they were playing for like three grand on the last hole, you know? And uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and a guy even mentioned during the round, like, Hey, uh, you want us to win? Cause you know, that's going to be better for you. It, no, it wasn't. We all got a hundred, me and the other caddy each got a hundred bucks for each player or whatever. Nobody got compensated more for winning. You know, I've heard other caddies tell the story like that their player will give them like a tip at the start of the round and then says, I'm going to give you X number more for every birdie. I've never had that experience. I've never had anyone uh, share like any winnings with me. But again, you can't get caught up in that because um, 
one. So I think both, yeah, and both you and I agree that we don't want to make this just about tipping uh, these discussions. And two, we do like make really good money for you know this, and so you don't want to be ungrateful. And the good always that I've had rounds where you don't click with players and it doesn't go great, and you make really great money. And then I've had rounds where um, you like I I think I said this before. You think you're going to end up being like you know godparents of their children or uh you know you're gonna they're gonna have a dowry and you're gonna like arrange marriage <laughs> kids or whatever <laughs> yeah um that that like it's the minimum tip because that's just all they think in terms of and uh and so you it, it all averages out it really does and uh this mm-hmm. month this season now my average for the season was higher than the previous season but each month averaged within like a buck or two of each other. So it averages out. You're going to have some good days. You're going to have some bad days, you know? And, uh, and it's, a, it's about more like, of course, we all need to make a living and everybody wants to go to work and maximize their earnings. So there's that, but there's more to the quality. Like I, there, there are days where I'm like, I would gladly take, you know, a smaller tip to, with a, like some guys who aren't loaded but they're like, this is truly a dream for them to be on whistling straights and they have a fun time and they really enjoy the day as opposed to the guy who like slams his club because he hits it right. And, you know, he doesn't know how to control his emotions out there. So, um, and you don't want, and, and some days you feel like it's a bonus. Our pace of play on the straights is 505. And when the course is packed, it's hard to finish sooner than 505. That's your average pace of play? That we our round is supposed to happen in five oh five, yeah. Oh my god, it's so. I'm sorry, but like I, our course stresses the like four twenties, the pace of play, which is yeah. ironic. But I tell them like, yeah, the dog track of the street, the Muni, that's like only five thousand yards for eighteen holes. They say four twenty also, and they don't have as yeah. much wind. I mean, it's it's yeah. a stupid universal number. But I know a lot of caddies that if you tell them before they tee off that this round's going to take four and a half hours or longer, they will get suicidal. I shit yeah. you dog like that I, I look at it like honestly i hate to say it if the round's under five hours because i've had a lot of six hour tours and five hour tours so to speak yeah. if it's under five hours i'm okay that's not that that's big right. so like for me i've had some rounds i had some rounds this year because our course just wasn't as full this year that we're at like 420 and mm-hmm. you're like there's a quality of life issue there that you're like woo, and uh, and then i've had rounds where it's like I've had rounds where it's 5:45, and uh, it's just a slog out there, you know, uh, because it's just like because there's many factors. One, they pack people on. Two, it's um, it's really hard, and so some guys have a real rough time. Um, and then on our course, like the last three holes can kind of back up the way they're because it's a long par five, then a par three, and then the 18th hole you have to wait till people pass, cross this repeat. So the last three holes can take an hour to play. And, oh, oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah 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 so um so but like sometimes too you, you just want cool guys i like caddying a lot of caddies don't i like caddying for husbands and wives i tend to do really well with that makeup you know um some guys really don't like it i really enjoy sometimes the fathers and sons um so you know every day is different and that's part of the cool thing of the uh job so i've had you know uh but but i have had some surprises like this year we had a group of guys come and uh we like they were not they were from california but they weren't like ceos or anything like that construction workers if i remember and the tip was like the first guy gets out like 180 out of his pocket and then the next and you think that's for both and then the next guy (laughs) was you know and you're like you walk away with 300 some bucks you're like shocked, you know, and, uh, and that happens, but it doesn't happen that often. Most tips are in a certain range and whatever. So, um, and then, like you say, you want to have like cool stuff other than that too. Oh, of course. Absolutely. I mean, and, uh, it's mostly the only reason why my whole thing is I don't like to talk about the tipping is because I, uh, how do I word this? It's like, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate what I do. It's, it's like one of those things where it's like, that's why you don't see all the CEOs bragging about their salaries or whatever. Cause it's like, cause they're getting taken care of very nicely. Now I'm not saying I'm making what a CEO makes, but you get yeah. the picture. So, uh, right. Anyway, and and gonna... one thing I want to add too is to anyone who's listening to this 
is if you ever come to Whistling Straits and I can't hear you, we're not going to talk about you on this podcast. So you don't have to be worried about it. We're, I'm talking in great generalizations uh, because, you know, and also, yeah, we, we appreciate everything and, and you're more than your money. So don't be afraid of that, guys. Like, and don't be afraid of being cheap or whatever. We're not going to talk about it on air. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are very fortunate in what we do. And like I said, at some point, working at this cheese factory has made me appreciate it even more. And uh, there are a few things like, I mean, think about like just those days where there, I mean, there's days where the weather stinks. There's, there are some amazing days. I think you had a picture up on your Twitter recently of you golfing with the sun there over the ocean and uh, oh, yeah. looking magnificent. That don't suck. I mean, that's pretty cool. And uh, we have days like that and it's just amazing. Yeah, I, and I, I only keep the refrain up that the only reason why I kind of like, you know, with a feather tickle that line of conversation is because people are still curious. I mean, whether they want to know what to pay caddy, and my final answer yeah. to that is uh, you should call their department because everyone has different fees. But yeah. um, ultimately, like, I, I, this is the one, like, this seems to me like to be like the... Like we're like the one department of the mailmen who get to act like divas maybe a little bit, or like maybe like celebrities a little bit where it's like, we have this one line of work where we're very intrinsically uh, like uh, sewn into a hobby that's very, very uh, top shelf. It's very, very appreciated and very expensive. And people want to hear, like, I mean, I don't think you want to hear a podcast about construction workers talk about what they talk about because they're with the same guys every day. So either it's the same raunchy bullshit or it's nothing. With us, we have such a plethora and such a random cornucopia every day of who knows what. I mean, when I bring you on the show, I like just getting uh, caddy A and caddy B perspective on just generic stuff or whatever. When I do the show by myself, that's when I bring up the stories and minus the names or I'm just going to be like, oh, my God, can you believe this guy? I love this guy. But every single time we were at a certain yardage, he'd say, hey, shoot it. What's the yardage? I'd say, same as your handicap, 30, 35. Here's your wedge. I mean, you know, stuff like that. That's what the, the solo Jerry show is all about. Yeah. But I like I like bringing you on, Mark, because you have. I mean, like an entirely better and perfect perspective. Yeah, so. well, that's cool. You know, one thing that's really interesting, though, uh, related to something you said about how uh, people have a, this high-end hobby and they kind of value this position and we're different than some other uh, jobs, like construction worker or whatever, is I've had players, you're walking, uh, you know, down the fairway and they're just, look, at, this is just amazing. This isn't a bad office, you know, whatever. Oh, and yeah. You've got these guys who are making, you know, six, seven figures, like dreaming about being a caddy, you know, and, uh, and, and then uh, I remember one time it was funny. Um, some guy said something to like, uh, to the effect of like, oh man, aren't you lucky? You know, whatever. And his, and his playing partner, Craig, he's like, who is it? Dude. Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> yeah. But dude, he's at work. And, and it sucks. So just like when we're at work, it sucks, you know, whatever. And like his, his partner was kind of saying, dude, like, it's not all uh, this, like, uh, click your heels and whatever, you know, like the guy's working and it's not always easy. So, uh, but no, you'll have these guys who like, you can see it in their eyes. Some of them who are miserable in their jobs are like, I'd walk away from all of it to, you know, and they're, they're romanticizing it. They don't understand all that goes into it. Or, you know, they're also, not remembering how fortunate they are to have their life that they have but i've seen it in their eyes where they're like oh, i wish i could just come and do this and i find that interesting uh that you know because these are successful people it's not like they uh are working fast food you know these are successful people and they're like you get the sense some of them not all not many but some would throw it all away to come and carry bags and i think that's pretty cool that's, that's absolutely cool. Yeah. I mean, that's why I always brag about the size of our vocation and how we're not unionized, but we have to stick together to a certain degree. So, um, yeah. So anyways, if anyone's been still listening to the show, thank you. And I, uh, I say, I'll save, I save this little Easter egg till now. I sent Mark a text about a week and a half ago. He said, I got a little caddy secret I wanted to share with you. In so many words, that was probably, that was a very, very drive-by text. Like that could mean anything. Be like, oh, well, do you turn the towel upside down? And that means what? I mean, I mean, what, what? What do you got here? But um, for the first time ever in my life, uh, God, I guess this was about 10, 10 days ago. Yeah, I um, I dropped acid and went into work. <laughs> now, to be, fair, to be fair, it wasn't, it was a responsible amount. It was like only 
20% of a full hit, but I mean, it was still enough that, cause I've, I've always been a fan of like wanting to microdose and Oregon's now the wild, wild West, no pun intended, where it's like, if you have anything in your possession, worst thing will happen to you is a hundred dollar fine. And that's only for like the real terrible stuff. But um, I've always wanted to do like the microdose thing, which to anyone who doesn't know what that means. And if you're a fan of me, you know how I'm into psychedelic stuff. Uh, that just means you take a 10% dose of acid or mushrooms a day. This, uh, this was a, a fun round. And I asked my co-host Smitty, well, I told him about it too. <laughs> and uh, he's my co-host on the Bomb Squad podcast. And he's played all the courses of Band of Dunes. And his first text to me, like just verbatim was, what course were you working on? <laughs> and I said, and I said, uh, trails, which is our woodland course, not on the ocean at all. And he just loses his mind. I'm just like, what's so funny? He's just like, that's like the course where you can run into a bear or something. What were you thinking? I'm like, that's not what you're thinking about when you never mind. <laughs> but I'll admit, it was a, uh, it was, it was, it was a good time. So uh, yeah. if anyone, if anyone hears this, don't get me fired, but uh, you should try it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would imagine that uh, I have some caddy colleagues who have uh, have quietly uh, engaged in that same sort of behavior out on our course, but uh, uh, I have to say that uh, I have not, and uh, I, I would imagine, though, that for some of those rounds that are taking 545, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, well, and I'm also a guy who... I enjoy my uh, recreational and borderline illegal narcotics as much as any red-blooded American on a daily basis. <laughs> but that, see, I'm being serious. I'm not trying to make you laugh. Yeah. That being said, though, I've never blended um, psychedelics and golf before, like playing golf. I've always been afraid to be like, oh, is this going to ruin the game or make it way better to the point where I can only enjoy it that way anymore? So I've always kept, I mean, I don't drink much when I golf either, mostly because it's expensive on the course and you got to pee a lot. But other than that, it's like, I've been drunk on the course once or twice, like can't see drunk. And those are probably my two least favorite rounds. Just from what I remember, I'm like, whoa, how would, how did I even get around that four hours? Like that was like, were people taking care of me? Like, geez, was I being drug around? Cause I like to be under my own power, you know, at least. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah. Mark, this has been a fun chat with you. We're going to do it at least one or two more times before we go public. Hopefully um, Mark can be found on Twitter at caddy tales. And depending on when you're listening to this, it might be the regular season. He is a full-time jock at the cheese factory no i'm kidding that's a restaurant and a place where he's working right now whistling straights mark is a caddy at whistling straights in uh what what town is that in wisconsin green bay kohler what so they call it kohler because her oh. kohler and kohler company but it technically it's this little unincorporated town of haven wisconsin where my oh. uh, where my wife i mean it's just like one road but my I've wife heard that word. I've never heard that town name ever in my life. Haven, yes, Wisconsin. It's technically Haven, Wisconsin. But oh. I mean, there's like maybe like, I don't know, 50 people who live there, if that. I don't even think that. But my wife grew up on a dairy farm around the corner from the course. And uh, so it's just fascinating uh, to see this become golf mecca and the Ryder Cup come because you would not drive around our area, much like I'm sure Bandit Dunes, and say, this is going to be a world-class golf resort. So um, yeah, Haven, Wisconsin, but yeah, hopefully some people will come out and uh, see me sometime and uh, we'll have a fun time. And as you know, folks, I am on my fifth white claw. No, they're not white claws on my fifth truly of the day, but it is the <laughs> loudest looper podcast. I'm on Twitter at Jerry Lou Looper. I am a caddy at Bandon Dunes golf resort, Bandon, Oregon, United States of America. Just ask for Jerry Lou, not Jerry Penifold. That's another story for, I'm going to save that for next episode. I got to talk about that guy. Anyways, Mark, it's been a pleasure and uh, go Lions today, huh? Woohoo, go Lions. We'll, we'll talk later and uh, shout out, I guess, uh, Dad, go clean your own room. There, that's good. Here I come again now, baby.